0: All right, college basketball fans, hope you're having a good week. We are here to talk some more ball. I am your College Hoops loving friend, Timmy Hall, and our other friend here is Evil Bald Colin.
1: Evil, good to see you, man. Tim, it's good to see you, man. It's uh, a little bit of a dull period in our schedule in terms of college basketball, but that doesn't mean we haven't seen a lot of exciting action in the limited amount that we've had. You shut
0: your dirty mouth when you say dead period. What are you talking about? This sport never dies, man. There's big games Every week all week <laughs> No, there definitely is. Big I, games this weekend coming up that we're dying to talk about?
1: Definitely. Heading up this week and there was uh there was a big matchup earlier in the week between uh Memphis and Alabama that was actually a really good watch too. So there's de- definitely a lot of good games. It's just, you know, not many teams played during the week this week.
0: All right. Well, we have so much fun to get into. We of course are going to give you a little Buckeye blast in uh, the third segment coming up here. Check in what's going on with Chris Holtman's team as they have a really really big game on Saturday against the North Carolina Tar Heels. Nice little ten day layoff, and they're back to action with a chance at a struggling Tar Heel team that hasn't had the start that they were looking for, and a, a, a great chance to go and get another. Resume boosting win. You think North Carolina is going to figure their stuff out eventually? They were the preseason number one, so a great opportunity at the Garden. We'll have our mid-major flavor that evil always whips up for us. A little mad about Hoops road trip meter. What could you possibly get to today or tomorrow in driving distance from Central Ohio? And, and we can check into the the Louisville situation as well. See how, how they have crappy a win. the basketball on the board. team is still doing. But yeah, I know they got one win and we can break that down. It's a shame, right? It's a real shame. I was just hoping that it would just go on and on and on forever.
1: Well, I'm just ashamed they beat Western Kentucky because I really enjoy uh, Rick Stansbury's team. Yeah, I know, man. And you were saying that Western Kentucky
0: on the last pod or two pods ago, that that probably wasn't going to be the win that they picked up because... They had FAMU and Lipscomb on the schedule afterwards. Uh, Ninety-four, eighty-three. so may- maybe that can just be our Louisville tracker for this podcast because I-, I really don't know how much more of them I can stomach. But as we'll start off here, very, very bad situation going on at the University of Texas. Shocking stuff that started off the week with their head coach, Chris Beard. Hey, it is our 75th anniversary here on Mad About Hoops. You know what that means? That means it's our 75th episode. We haven't been doing this for 75 years.
1: I was about to say, I mean, we would, I mean, think about all the different games we could have talked about. I mean, we could have seen, no, that would have been before the 75th anniversary. I was talk, thinking about the Ohio State championship year, but no, my uh, my math is off on that. But yeah, it's, uh. no, wait, that was 1960. So that's 40 oh. No, we would have been doing our show during the national championship season for Ohio State. That's unbelievable. Are you kidding? Are you kidding me right now? That's that was 75 years ago. That would be 62.
0: All right. So everybody, lock it in. We've got a lot of good college basketball to talk about. Hey, every day that we live, every day we breathe the air, we're a day closer to March Madness, with, which is the greatest thing in the world. It's partly what this podcast is named after. So here we are, episode 75 of Mad About Hoops. Let's go. <laughs> It's been awesome,
1: let's it go! It. Oh! Inbounds,
0: Turner, left side of the backcourt. Turner, cross the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He, he, makes it. It.
2: he hit it! He it hit it, He hit it just inside a half-court!
0: Lanes on the other wing. Oh.
2: oh! Oh!
0: Oh! Set it in, Jerome! Oh! All right, it certainly is Tim Hall and evil, bald Colin hanging out with all you fine folks. Episode 75 here and a pleasant good Saturday morning to all of our listeners on 97.1 The Fan. What a great Christmas present to be doubled up on The Fan going forwards here throughout the duration of this
1: college basketball season. Well, especially, and we'll get to the slate later on in the show, but especially you're listening to this on the Saturday morning and you've got a great slate of games that day with Ohio State and North Carolina you've got uh Indiana at Kansas you've got uh Virginia hosting Houston you've got Gonzaga against Alabama like there's just so many top 25 matchups that you could watch this weekend
0: so in uh in brushing up on where we are with our sport some of the shuffling of the teams at the top of the polls uh because i do, i do love how We interchange this so much week to week. We give a little bit more credit for what you are doing right now today in college basketball. Obviously, you can only update the poll once a week, but there's a lot more maneuvering of these teams. Like Purdue, we talked about them from where they started. They're number one in the country. That's pretty impressive. And North Carolina started number one in the country They're already out of the polls, so they're going to try to use that Ohio State game as a stepping stone to get back, and the Buckeyes have to try to prevent that. But Purdue, Virginia, UConn, Alabama, Houston, the latest uh, top five, Tennessee six, Texas slipped down to seven with that loss to the Illini as uh, they took it on the chin. Not not really. That was a tight game. 85-78 was the final. Illinois got the win. Neutral site game, but... Dude, I mean, to wake up on Monday morning or to see this stuff just hitting the wall to start the week, domestic violence situation, details that are in the the two to two and a half page police report about, you know, possible, uh, you know, alleged strangulation of a family member, in this case, Chris Beard's fiance and swiftly suspended without pay. They had a midweek game it was really a tighter game than it should have been. Did this one go to overtime? Did rice take Texas to overtime? They did. They yeah. did. So that's I believe right. they yeah. were, I believe they took were like a 25 OT. point
1: favorite. It's unbelievable. And yeah. That, no, that's clearly a team that was just affected by the news of the day. Yeah. And it's absolutely, absolutely. W- without a doubt. I you mean, think that's what happened, but that, that
0: was really the afterthought that they were going to play a game without their coach, a buy game that they should easily win. That got, that got pushed to the brink to OT, but This is, I mean, this is big and a lot of people are still asking the questions. And I know uh, this is a a time sensitive thing. We have no idea when the other shoe is going to drop. There's people, you know, that, that have opinions on both sides that this is something that he can beat. I, I am not one of those people. I don't know what Texas is possibly doing day to day, hour to hour to get to the bottom of this situation, but you can imagine how many lines they have in the water and people trying to figure out exactly what's going on and talking to different people, getting different opinions on if there is even a way where they can go forward with Chris Beard. Because I don't think we live in that world anymore. And uh, I honestly think that's kind of good. If if there's any truth to this at all... He shouldn't this, coach it, again. He shouldn't coach again. And this is going to come down to uh, his Chris Beard's lawyer is just going to vehemently deny. And we're supposed to just sit back and believe that this is just something that was completely fabricated and made up or... I don't know. I don't know if I want to be that guy in in this world, evil. So, this opinions are changing, uh, you know, obviously rapidly about Chris Beard and who he is. And now you're going to go over with a fine tooth comb everything about this guy's past and just what kind of person he is. Because anyone that can have, you know, that anyone can accuse you of that, and we're supposed to just believe that it's completely falsified. I don't know. I. I tend to not be one of those guys. I, I tend to try to give a credence and give belief to the accusers in these cases.
1: Yeah, no, I, t- I definitely agree. I, I think I read somewhere where this might be a process that kind of goes a little slow. So I don't know if we're going to get a resolution of this uh, anytime soon. And it's it's kind of interesting to see how different programs handle situations like this. I know the first thing that comes to mind, it's not the same type of situation. But if you remember correctly, the Jim Beheim situation where he... Hit the pedestrian on the, on the side of the road, and there was a kind of like a little bit of a period where they had to cycle through that. And the teams and programs address it differently when there's something of that magnitude or that serious, and how you either bring them back to the program or whether it's even appropriate enough to bring them back. So again, it's a it's a completely different topic, um, but I, I I think it's gonna be a while until we actually hear a resolution on this. And that's why he's suspended without pay.
0: And that, that was the clear and obvious first step that had to be taken. And then you have to carefully sort everything out, try to get as much of the truth as possible. But look, unless there's, you know, home surveillance footage, audio recordings, possibly, you know, a lot of people have these smart homes now, especially people with tons of cash like a Chris Beard might, you know, with the salary that he's paid. But you, you just don't know. It, it's going to. It's going to come down to her word against his word. And that's why you have to take a look at Chris Beard, the man. You know, I, other than. Following him as a basketball coach and what he did at Texas Tech and how he earned this job based on his merit winning basketball games, didn't know a ton about this guy or, or his backstories. Is he a guy that's easily agitated?
1: Does he have a hot temper? Does he have he a quick He seems fuse? on the sidelines he can be, but I don't know. A lot of coaches feel I, like that, though. You know what I mean? Yeah, like I don't know how you can equate that to people's personal lives. Like people can be mild-mannered and then be different behind the scenes. Like you, you just can't really use that as a as a – magnifier or how you would analyze them we had the situation
0: here of course at Ohio State with Zach Smith different sport but we know that his camp always tried to say that it was a bunch of BS that it was just the you know the old toxic relationship and that you know there might have been some shouting and things like that but you know maybe the woman was you know in that case they tried to you know possibly claim that the other side was physical as well, but it just doesn't end well, right? And I don't know, man. I have never known anybody in my life. I've never known anybody that I thought to be a cool, calm, and collected kind of dude that's even had that accused of them. You know what I mean? And I know it's, all, it's always innocent until proven guilty. To strangle someone? Yeah, I'm no, just, I, I'm just yeah, saying, yeah no. I'm just saying, yeah. I've never... I've never known any person that I thought in my mind to be calm, cool collected a good solid dude that has even had something like that accused of them. I know we're in a country where you're innocent until proven guilty, but not when you're talking about your job, not when you're talking about a school's reputation, someone that you just look at and say, I can't associate with you anymore because of the things they're saying about you in this case, because of, what your fiance is saying you did to her, which is horrific, horrific if it's true.
1: No, I completely agree with you, and that's that's what's going to come down to it for Texas and whether how long they wait out in this process, whether they wait for the completion of the legal process. And I mean, like I said, if the the reportings are true that this could take a while, I mean, how long to this, into the season can they just mainstay this this s- state of you know the interim with their coach that their assistants taking over like. Is this going to do, uh, it's not the best to talk about the basketball side of things about this, but like how, how long can you let the state of the program be the way it is before you make an action? Yeah, uh, I don't, not long,
0: man, uh, which is why a lot of eyeballs are going to be on this. And what's your take on, you heard about their freshman guard and yeah, Art- that's, Morris? So, that's so
1: wild about yeah. it. Is he's actually, I think he was, he was allowed to play. Court. Yeah. I think he was actually doing court this week, the week that the event happened. Uh, regarding his situation.
0: Yeah, I don't know what
1: happened in the court
0: hearing, but in the original story, when all this stuff broke earlier in the week, it said Wednesday, there was a Wednesday court date. And he was arrested in June after an incident with a former girlfriend, misdemeanor family violence charge. This is a felony for Chris Beard, of course, but Morris was a top recruit and he had been allowed to play despite that charge. I don't think he missed any time. Maybe they tried to say one of those, oh, we handled it internally. He was punished accordingly in practice type of thing, but no game suspensions. And here, the the one contract line from Chris Beard, his contract includes a provision under which he can be fired for cause for conduct. The administration reasonably determines reflects poorly on the coach program, school or university system includes being charged with a felony. This obviously applies. You don't have to be convicted of this at all. Right. The charge. It's an embarrassment. Uh, my God, man, my God, Chris Beard, just terrible. No, yeah. Terrible.
1: If they wanted to make the move, they have every right within the contract to make the move and not owe any type of buyout situations. So that's not the issue at hand. It's just whether they think it's the right time to make a decision on that or whether they want to wait out for the process. I mean, everybody's got a different take on that, but it seems right now they're going to try to play the waiting game.
0: All right, we're going to go back to basketball here for the rest of the podcast, but that was the clear big story in our sport this week with uh, Texas instantly becoming a big-time contender, and no doubt the guy can coach, but I tweeted it earlier in the week, and it's why I love the top two guys we have at Ohio State with the head football coach, and obviously Chris Holtman, the head basketball coach. Who you are at your core also matters a lot. We seem to only care about winning you could be a total jerk now you could be a jerk and also not be someone that would hit your fiance or wife or grab him around the throat that's those are different I get it but I do believe who you are what kind of guy you are should matter a lot it should continue to matter we tend to just boil it down to the wins but I want to talk about a game coming up here that I think my man evil Bald Colin is going to like it's uh, happening over in Indianapolis and a pair of brothers are going to be going at it. So we'll talk about that and much, much more as we continue. It's mad about hoops episode 75. All right. Welcome back. College basketball fans, Timmy Hall, evil bald Colin. You got our podcast here. Mad about hoops. We certainly appreciate you listening. If you are, you're a mega fan of this game. And uh, so are we, that's why we're doing this. So Evil, I told you you would love this. You're a guy that loves shooting over to Indianapolis. It could be for many different things, and you just like to roam the streets out there. Hit up St. <laughs> sure. Elmo's. Uh, that's what everybody. I feel like that's what everybody says every time you mention Indianapolis.
1: Someone just mentioned St. Elmo's and the shrimp cocktail. Yeah, I think Sorry it's that a, I, did I that. think it's no. I think it's uh. I think depending on the opinion, I've, I've heard people that love it. I've heard people that don't. I've uh. I personally have not had the opportunity to do it, but. Sounds good.
0: It's it's a shrimp cocktail, whatever. And and it's expensive. We need new material. I'm gonna stop mentioning that anytime I say Indianapolis. There's other things. The thing to do when you head west on I-70, if you're taking any kind of road trip, is to go to the Hoosier Gym. And I've I've been there, I think, six or seven times by now. Oh wow. It is it's one of the more iconic highway stops in this country. And especially if you love sports and if you're a fan of some of the great sports movies. Obviously, Field of Dreams up in Dyersville, Iowa. I've never had the pleasure to go there. And now it's been completely overtaken by Major League Baseball and commercialized. And I'm sure it has a different feel than when if you visited 20, 25 years ago when the movie was a little bit more recent, a little bit more fresh. But the Hoosier Gym, man, I mean, you go right into the town of Knightstown, Indiana, and it's just in a little neighborhood. You'd have no idea. Place looks like an old school or an old library from the outside. And there's a tiny little trophy room in the lobby, and then you're right in there. And then there's usually a volunteer, somebody who's probably in the, you know, 60 to 70 year old range, somebody who, some dude who's just chilling there, watching over the place, and he'll tell you every little tidbit about the movie and the place. And there's just a rack of leather basketballs there for you to just shoot your brains out. Almost and it's, like it fits the
1: scene or the the town of the actual movie.
0: It's on it, it is incredible. It really is. It's it's a it's the place to stop. So if you were going to do that, and I know this is not the Mad About Hoops Road Trip Meter yet, but it's one of them that, that could be up there. I'd give it like a seven on
1: uh, a seven out of ten. Oh, I, I'd definitely be interested in
0: this. Yeah, this is going to be a battle of the lawyer brothers, and we're talking about you know the new dude for Purdue, and we've got a Davidson guard by the name of Lawyer as well. So you're going to have Foster for Davidson versus Fletcher. For Purdue, the lawyer brothers don't fight the law because the law might win in this one. But each team's got the law on their side. Foster has turned into an incredible player for Davidson, and you put the Davidson Wildcats, old the the fighting Steph Curry's. They are way up there in mid majors that we highly respect. What has made Davidson such a good basketball team, such a good program, even after Steph Curry left? Did Bob McKillop just ride the wave (laughs) from the hype that Steph
1: created around his program? Uh, He did, but uh, I think what he did most is he had high-volume scoring guards. I I think if you can think of some names of guys like Kellen Grady who eventually transferred to Kentucky, uh, Foster Lawyer, like you mentioned. How about his transition from when he was the first couple of years with Michigan State, nothing more than a role guy, didn't average more than four points a game. Joins Davidson last year, averages 16 points a game. And, oh, he upped it this year. He's now close to 20 points a game. And he's just a volume scorer. I, I think that's how they've done it. They just got guards that can score for days. And they lost a little bit from last year's team. I thought last year's team was a little bit better. But they're no slouch. And, you know, I look at I look at Fletcher.
0: And maybe you got to give Foster, big bro, a little bit of credit here. Because you mentioned that. Foster went to a big school. He went to Michigan State. But you also look at him and say – Probably the right move, you know, for his basketball career, for getting to do some great things to, you know, really fill it up and, and show the world what, what he's about with Davidson. I think it's a nice spot there. You're right outside of Charlotte, North Carolina, so a big city, big market that you could take advantage of. And, you know, usually we just talk about guys starting off at a mid-major and then they bump up and try to help out a big program. Foster is kind of the reverse of that. But maybe something about his growth helped younger brother you know whether it was just whenever he would visit him during the holidays when or just taking bits and pieces of Foster's experiences at Michigan State when maybe times were tough for him or when maybe things weren't going exactly the way he thought they were going to go that possibly helped out younger brother Fletcher to you know get the scholarship offers that he got to accept the one to Purdue and to be having this season that he's having how about that how about that dunk That dunk and one, you know, the one I'm talking about, the one-handed right-handed Tomahawk slam and Purdue did get pushed a little bit against Nebraska, but lawyer was one of the big reasons they won that game
1: as he had 22 points and a few boards and that slam that I'm talking about. It's actually kind of funny. They're not really the same type of body type. I I think Fletcher's about four inches taller, three or four inches taller. So they're, they're kind of different style guards. Is Foster that short? He's just well, Foster's I only six short. foot. I say short. Six foot's fine if yeah. you're going to be a, a terrific college. Fletcher basketball I think is guard. like six three, six four. So 6'4", yeah, they play a little bit differently, but they're both guys that you know are going to put up close to forty percent from three. Like they're they're very similar in the way that they can get buckets. Anywhere on the court, but especially from behind the arc, you have to watch them everywhere they go.
0: Yeah, and you really were wondering about this Purdue roster, right? I mean, Matt Painter has been recruiting really well for what the Purdue basketball program is. And I always talk with my dad about this when we're talking about basketball. We know that they, they kind of pick from that next deck. You know, there's Kansas, Carolina, Kentucky, you know, Duke. Those guys get the pick of the letter, right? They get the first and then... Matt Painter has had to be sort of the best of the rest. And he has gotten a lot of good Indiana kids. He He's done a really good job at that. And to be ranked number one right now, and then to have the the tough game on the road against Nebraska, I think it shows you the strength of what this big 10 is depth. We always talk about it. I know. And then we'll see how they do in the, in the NCAA tournament. I know that's what we'll ultimately use, but maybe a good thing for Matt Painter and these Boilermakers to get pushed around and, fight a game out and win it in OT.
1: No, I completely agree. If you just look at the baseline of the at the stats of this team and you looked at it, you're like, well, there's not really a whole lot of change except Zach E.D. went from a mid-teen score up to 22 points a game, and then you insert the two freshman guards who are averaging 13.1 and 9.3. Other than that, there really actually hasn't been a whole lot of step up from the guys like the, the Brandon Newmans or the Caleb First or the the Mason Gillis, Ethan Morton. Like These guys aren't like huge scoring threats and they really haven't developed into that. I think it's just a credit to what Painter did with this, this freshman class, because like you said, lawyer was a very high recruit. Braden Smith was like outside the two, top 200, just a small little kid from Indiana who uh, quite honestly, he just kind of hit a diamond in a rough.
0: Yeah. So this game is going to be fun, man. And the other game, by the way, is ball state versus Illinois state. So if that scratches any kind of itch for you, I mean, it's got
1: Ryan Peden. It's got Ryan
0: Ryan Peden's club, and there he's struggling a little bit, as you would imagine, when you take over a mid-major program and it's your first year. You got to get guys in place. You're in
1: the Missouri Valley, which is already tough to begin with, and then then you're adding Belmont and Murray State this year. Mm -hmm. That's even tougher.
0: Yeah. So Ball State versus Illinois State. That uh, I would imagine that's going to be the early game, and this uh, this. This Purdue versus Davidson game, which, you know, it's not when you have an indie classic and you're playing at the Pacers Arena, Cambridge Arena or Fieldhouse right there in downtown Indy, I kind of like this, you know, it's different. It's not just big dog versus big dog, big dog versus big dog. You got a true mid-major battle and then you have an in-state team and Purdue's not usually look, they've been really, really good lately. But I still don't consider them to be a blue blood or one of the top 10 most recognizable college basketball programs in the nation.
1: Well, they got to rid themselves of whatever their personality is in in the postseason, especially with the tournament.
0: They do. They have to do that. But they're the number one team in the country. They're an in-state team. I just think it's a neat little setup for a little two-gamer for a Saturday night. So I think that's awesome. You well, got Davidson, feels, you got the
1: brother matchup. It feels nostalgic because especially that was where a lot of the big 10 tournaments were and a lot of memories, especially with Ohio state, the Evan Turner shot was there. Um, I was just watching the documentary on the 08 shot uh, Minnesota had against oh. the, the very good uh, Dan Dockage's interim team with uh, Indiana, which amazing. was a really good game, but that, um, that's amazing. No, that's, that's a great facility for this game. And, you know you you wish you could have teams like indiana and butler still performing in this but it's those are two pretty good matchups
0: all right so you wanted to talk about this team a a huge midweek game that had a pac 12 pitted up against a really good looking big 10 team Pac-12 that did not go eventually, the big Ten's way
1: eventually big 10 team eventually
0: it's right <laughs> it's right i keep i keep forgetting this is going to be which just a big so 10 which is so funny game.
1: it happened on the same day that the border of Regents out there in UC actually approved the UCLA uh, move that? to the Big Ten. How about that? Um, but my goodness, man, what they did in terms of UCLA to Maryland in the midweek was absolutely insane, and they just kind of made life for them difficult. I-, I think Maryland had around 16 turnovers in this game and shot just... It, they improved their shooting percentage through the game. I think they finished around 40, but they just couldn't hit anything. I mean, Dante Scott had two points at half. Like It just it wasn't working, and this UCLA team... If you haven't followed them much this year, get a close look at them because they've got a really solid team surrounding the mainstays of tiger Campbell and Jaime Hawkins. Like it's a very talented team. All right. You mentioned Jaime Hawkins. How is my
0: man V for vendetta doing? Because he's, he's been one of my favorite college basketball players that I don't quite get to pay attention to game in and game out. But UCLA always plays a couple of big games. You got the CBS sports Classic, So Ohio state's had some love with them here. Uh, In the last year or two, but I think I had had the game canceled in the pandemic season, which wasn't great, but Hakez, he's just, the, he's the
1: he, dude. He's a guard in, in a forward's body. Like he plays like that. He's up to scoring. He's up to 17.1 points per game. He's not really going to provide a whole lot from three. He's around 25%, which is consistent with last year. He's just that big body guy. That's going to want to get into the the paint or get into the lane, get, get inside the arc and do a little fadeaway spin off of you. Like he's hes just kind of an old school body in an old school game that I, I really enjoy. Um, and he's really stepped up, and honestly, I think it's Tiger Campbell that's made the biggest step up in terms of his performance on the offensive end. The numbers don't look like they bump up a whole lot from 11.9 to 12.8 points per game, but the way he's more active on offense I I think has really stood out.
0: Tell the people what they would do in the rivalry game against USC when UCLA plays on the road at USC to Tiger Campbell at the free throw line. I
1: think they did... I forget what
0: it was. They played snippets of Bob
1: Marley songs.
0: Oh, that's right. Out that's of right. Con- out of context Bob Marley songs. That's right. Song, For some songs. reason, I was
1: thinking like Lion King stuff or not. No, you're right. It was Bob Marley, but <laughs> it wasn't like a full song. It was like- Right, just, n- just more little like two tiny seconds. snippets. Yeah. They would throw in two seconds like right before he finishes his little dribbling right. routine and on it. And then just you'd hear, a, all right, we jammin'. You know, and then that's it. They, they cut it off. The funniest thing, man. I-, I I'm really, like <laughs> I'm really <That's> glad. I'm really glad I, I shout out the money to go to that game because that was really cool to see a different rivalry on a different coast. And I'll tell you, the basketball in the field, the environment, it's just different. It's it, it's a different time zone. It's a different uh, passion out there. And there was a real like, th- it was a real big rivalry feeling in that building. There was a lot of UCLA fans that packed in there. Uh, UC, USC fans really showed out. It felt like it was a, a big time, like highly ranked both teams going at it. All right. We're going to
0: hit you guys with a little Buckeye blast. What has uh, this top 25 team been doing in their downtime to get ready for this big one coming up against the North Carolina Tar Heels? You will hear from the Holtman, Chris Holtman, as well as episode 75 of Mad About Hoops continues. <laughs> All right, Timmy Hall, Evil Bald Colin, Mad About Hoops, episode 75. You got the Ohio State Buckeyes. You got the North Carolina Tar Heels. Don't let anybody tell you different. These are two of the best college basketball programs of all time. I get it. Carolina's better. They got the stature. They got the fame. They got the baby blue. They got the national championships. But, what a big game. What a big opportunity too! anytime you're playing one of these blue bloods and you've got the upper hand, you want to pounce, man. It's it's like when they played that game at the Dean dome in the ACC big 10 challenge and you had the chance to walk out of there with a 24, 25 point win, whatever that was. It's incredible. And I don't care what Carolina went on to be that season. You are, you are the tar heels. You're the almighty tar heels. So you get a chance to beat them. You take that and you run. I actually lost a friend over that Ohio State win did at North really? Carolina. Yeah, <laughs> because what do you think I'm doing? I I host the Buckeye show, so I am in part a bit of a fan of these guys. I don't deny any of that. I'm pulling for these dudes, right? I'm pulling for these guys. So I did a little uh, tweet gloating about the win, and a buddy that I used to know from back in Carolina just started snapping back at me about – injuries that they've had. I'm like, yeah, you know, dude, it's, it's okay.
1: Look, I got I'm, it. I'm
0: not the one just to take your loss and <laughs> go on to the next one. And he just kept getting back at me and he was hurt about it. So I'm not the one to minimize the a regular season
1: game, but I mean, it's the ACC big 10 challenge game. Like it, yeah, it would have been nice on your resume, but it's not something to ruin a friendship over. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's just what he chose.
0: He chose violence. That's, that's uh, some Carolina fans for you. But Well, that's true. What do you think of this Ohio State team right now? Uh, uh, what do you think they've been doing? You know, practicing? You, you know, think they've been going hard well. to practice?
1: What they've been doing well is going to get tested this week. Uh, I think really with their offensive rebounding, and Holtman's ha- hammered that in post-game press conferences, how well and how impressed he's been with their rebounding, especially from Zed Key. Uh, he did a really good job against Rutgers in that. He's going to get a huge test. I mean, Armando Baycott is probably the best rebounder you can think of, maybe outside of Zach Eady, But those two guys are like 1A, 1B in that category. And it's going to be quite a challenge if, and this is the big thing, if he can get Baycott in foul trouble that can change this game drastically because this is not a North Carolina team that's deep. They weren't deep last year, and they're not deep this year. There, there's really nothing that scares you outside of their starting five. And even then, Leaky Black is a very solid player, but he's not going to kill you with scoring. He will be a good defender, though. Um, yeah, Ohio State's really just going to have to match up guard for guard. We know about Kayla Lubb and RJ Davis, one of the best one-two punches in the backcourt in the nation. How are they going to be able to handle that? They're... they're Defense is down to 80th in Ken Palm right now. It's starting to slide. They, they take this week to start to work and prep on that and try to fix some of the issues they've had in that. I, I'm kind of curious to see what they throw at them defensively because North Carolina's been a team that likes to play a lot of iso ball. Can they show them a little bit of different looks defensively, maybe like a matchup zone, kind of change things up and show different looks and see if they can get them off schedule?
0: Yeah, you know, the thing with North Carolina and what has contributed to their struggles is a little bit of hero ball going 100%. on, you know, so you know that Chris Holtman and his coaching staff, they have been pinpointing some of those things and they're trying to figure out ways where they can almost force some of those North Carolina stars like Caleb Love into some isolation type situations. If you can get him into him or or any number of Carolina players, if you can get them trying to think to, that too much of the game is on them. That could be good for Ohio State. That could be a way to go. The things that have been ailing Carolina continue to try to exploit them until they prove that they're ready to bust past that. And you know, with North Carolina sitting back and reading a lot of that, you know this has been something that paramount that they've been working on because they haven't had, you know, big games here. I think what they just beat up on the Citadel like 167 right. was their one tune-up game for this, but this is a bigger deal. Obviously, this is a step up in competition. This is a step up in competition for Ohio State from, you know, say the Saint Francis game. Now the Buckeyes did play Rutgers, but that was also 10 full days ago, so they've had a lot of time. I almost you almost kind of throw that one out. You won on a half-court buzzer beater for Tanner Holden. You're glad you won that game. But now you want to see this Ohio State go out there and be the aggressor, be assertive, and just and take advantage of the shot here to, to beat a Tar Heel team that's a bit wounded right now. You And it, it can kind of go against you, the double-edged sword type of thing, right? That North yes. Carolina's already lost all these games. You're kind of fearful that this is the one they're really eyeballing to bust out of the slump. So there's that. And then there's the side I was just talking about. You want to take advantage of a team that's a little bit down. Or you could just throw all that crap out there and just focus on it's a basketball game and try to be the better team for 40 minutes.
1: <laughs> no, here's two big things. Uh, North Carolina with the top four guys and Pete Nance, RJ Davis, Armando Baycott, and Caleb Love. They average between those four about 10 turnovers a game. So can you pressure them and force them into turnover situations? And then specifically with Davis and Love, these are two guys that love to shoot the ball, love to get shot ups. And that's why they're kind of struggling right now is because they are shooting below 30%, both of those guys. So I don't know if it kind of reverts back to the mean. Like, how how does that adjust after the week off? But this is a team that, if like I said, go back to that matchup zone. Make them shoot those outside shots. They want to get down low and get the ball down to Armando Baycott and Pete Nance. See if they can hit those shots early. And if they beat you that way, then you adjust. But I I think you have to force them into what they've been struggling.
0: Yeah, I think there might be a little bit of... uh there might be a misperception about this Ohio state team, because when you break down Carolina and the Buckeyes and Carolina's strength is their offense too, even though they've struggled a little bit in that, we just broke that down. They're nine in Ken Palm with their offensive efficiency and overall they're the, what were they? 32nd? No, that seems too low. I was just looking at them. 22nd. They're 22nd. Overall, Ohio state's 18th overall in the Ken Palm, but Ohio state Comes out ahead by a mile in three-point percentage, 37% as a team to 31 and a half for Carolina. That's a huge plus in uh, the good column for Ohio State going in. They're a better free throw shooting team. Ohio State is at almost 78%, and they're a better field goal shooting team at 48%. North Carolina is down at 45, and the Buckeyes are averaging more rebounds per game. And I know you just put a big Which deal is wild. It is wild. But yeah. you put a
1: big deal on that and and I agree, Baycott and Zed Key. Zed Well, Baycott's really their main guy. I mean, he's averaging for sure 11. Point, or 11 rebounds per game. No one's averaging more than like 6.
0: But that's the thing that Ohio State has going to. Once Zed Key's off the floor, then that's too much onus to put on Felix Okpara at this right. juncture of the season. I do like the canvas that's there and what he's going to continue to provide in limited minutes. Zed is still one of these guys where if he gives you that 20 and 12 kind of game, the Buckeyes are pretty tough to beat. He just, he's not there yet to being able to consistently give that to you, which is why Zed's numbers are 14 and and 8.7. Still pretty good. It's almost close to what we asked of Zed key at the start of the year. Problem is we're not getting justice suing averaging, you know, 15, 16 or 17. Like we Might have hoped, but you also got to keep that in mind that he's been out of basketball for a year plus and he's doing okay in his return.
1: I mean, this isn't and science, and I'm I'm looking specifically at Armando Baycott. He didn't play in that Virginia Tech loss, but the three losses he played in with IU, Alabama, and Iowa State, had four fouls, got into foul trouble against Alabama and Iowa State. He had six turnovers and five turnovers. He, only, he ended up only having one turnover versus Indiana, but he only played 28 minutes because he was dealing with an injury. So it's it's clear as day. If you get him off the court with foul trouble or turnover issues, you have a really good chance to win this game.
0: Let's hear from the coach here. You want to hear from Chris Holtman right now? Let's do it. We we haven't paid much credence to the guy that the Buckeyes have been missing, but it, it could be more sizable than we let on because they do need to get better defensively. He starts off with an update about their player, Eugene Brown, who we'd love to have back, and he's had a concussion, and uh, we hope the best for him. And then uh, about this Tar Heel game.
2: Uh, no, as I mentioned, no update on Gene. He continues to, uh, to make progress <clears throat> as far as uh... – uh, this week, obviously, we, we anticipated potentially playing another Big Ten game. So there's a little bit of a gap in our schedule. Um, so we're practicing and preparing for a really good North Carolina team that was obviously a preseason number one in the co- country, deserving. They're talented. They're well-coached. Schubert does a great job. They present a lot of terrific challenges uh, for us, as, as we expected. So um, we'll dive deep into their preparation here towards the middle end part of the week, we'll continue to work on ourselves here, but uh, obviously great, uh, great respect for that North Carolina team, uh, Hubert, and uh, of the challenge that'll be presented on Saturday. Yeah,
0: I mean, whatever. North Carolina's lost games, but we're, we're not stupid. We understand they're they're a great basketball team. They didn't this, lose the scrubs. <laughs> yeah, I mean, come I mean, on. This is this is going to be tough. This is going to be uh, a, an amped up environment. I mean, you're playing at the frickin' Garden, so. A Little inside college basketball. What did he mean? You heard him say earlier they anticipated a gap or not having a gap. They anticipated a Big Ten game, and so the long schedule. Usually, you see at least one sizable break, and it could typically be around the holidays. But, but it's it sounded like he's right af- expecting a game. This it's usually
1: right after the CBS Sports Classic for Ohio State. Right I after think that's after actually Christmas. been. Yeah, I think that's actually how it's been built. So that main game actually next week is kind of. Odd because it usually isn't placed right there, um, but yeah, no, they they typically expect to have two Big Ten games before the the uh, new year, and then they'll play eighteen after that. Uh, uh, to be honest, I don't know why they're squeezing in nineteen in the second half, and that's kind of a that's a negative for Ohio State, unfortunately. And hopefully they handle that well. But yeah, it, I I don't think I loved having the full week off. While it it's great to g- recover and rest up and everything it still would have been nice to have a tune-up game or even a Big Ten game in the middle there just so you're staying in the rhythm of the routine.
0: All right, so we will touch things up with Evil's world-famous mid-major flavor. We go to the Mad About Hoops road trip meter where we'll go back to Indiana. And this one is a full-blown 10 out of 10 on the road trip meter for a game that you could get to if you love nothing more than college basketball. And we'll tell you about that. It's episode 75 of mad about hoops,
1: all right. So it's pretty easy to kind of narrow down where you want to go with your mid major flavor, because there's really one conference when you talk about this every single year, there's a ton of teams. That it's very easy to choose from, and that's the Mountain West. So we're going to go out there. There's a very good team in Boise State. The Broncos kind of struggled early on. They lost to a down South Dakota State team in Charlotte. But they picked up some pretty solid wins along the way. They absolutely torched Loyola Chicago by 22 points. They beat uh, Colorado, who's been up and down all year. What's and up with that? What's they, up with Loyola? Yeah, torched like so that. I, I think it might be a mix of a transition to a new conference. They're now in the a 10 Right. What's our Norris kid up to? He's still great, he's, isn't he? He's about the same as what he's been. He's around 8-9 points a game. A solid and player. A very solid guy in terms of assist and playing strong defense. Yeah. Holding it down for Hilliard Bradley. Good dude. Yes. Uh, Texas A&M, they beat. They beat them by 15 back when they were I think ranked. And then they've also won on the road at St. Louis, who should be one of the teams competing in the A10, so they've got a pretty good list of wins, uh, nine and two out in the Mountain West. There's so many good teams. We've already talked about UNLV and New Mexico out there, but undefeateds, right? Un- undefeated, yeah, correct. Utah Both State, yeah,
0: undefeated too. That, that's that's nice, man. So let me let me stop you for a second on some Mountain West college basketball there because this is a this is a bit of a hybrid conference when we talk about mid majors and our classification. I agree. of mid majors. San Diego State, not at all a mid-major I would anymore. Not. Correct. San Jose State, clear
1: and obvious mid-major. Ibrahima Diallo, yes. Ibrahima Diallo, uh, Buckeye big man. His coach, I think, is Tim Miles. Tim Miles, San Jose State? I believe Look that's correct.
0: You. Look at you. This is mad about hoops. We're supposed to know everything. <laughs> Between the two of us, I think we do. Uh, Utah State, they got to be a mid-major. Sorry to the Aggies. Great spot up there. They've got Logan, a very solid Utah. team. Yes. Yeah. You remember? Uh, I think it was the helicopter from the And One mixtape tour. Now I'm gonna get that wrong. Maybe it was Ballaholic. I think he was a Utah State Aggie. That's a little outside of my range. And of, I don't uh, even know. I don't even know many of their real names. I just know their And One names. <laughs> <laughs> you know, unless it's Ray for Alston, skip to my Lou. Okay. Uh, UNLV is not a mid major. They're not a mid-major. Because of history? Because okay. of history. I'll they just, they, they cannot be. And I, I think that's the only two. I think the, those are the only two. I would say, you know, Fresno State, Wyoming. Although, you know what? I don't know. Yeah, no, Is, I'm still keeping them in that. Wyoming's a mid-major? Being, a you know, the big state school? Like, if you yeah. get into those some of those western states and... I like mean, what, Wyoming well, is the university for Wyoming. Like, that's Austin Ward University. Like, that's the one big school out there. Montana's the school a for mid-major? Montana.
1: I mean... All right, good point. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, all right, all
1: right. That's fair. Idaho, that's fair. I yeah. mean...
0: North Dakota, they're a high major? Right, okay. I take it back. That's fair.
1: I mean, look, compare them. Would you consider South Dakota State a mid-major? Yes. If, they, if you do, yes. these schools still yes. apply.
0: Yeah, you're, you're right about that. Okay, so... Nice on the flavor. Now uh, we go to our we go to our schedule. We play our little schedule game here at the end of the podcast, and the Mad About Hoops Road Trip Meter, which we say if you're putting the Buckeyes aside and you just want to try to get to a college basketball game this weekend, you're living in our Central Ohio fan base, and you take a look. You see what the ticket prices are. You see what's within, uh, we can call it a three to even five-hour drive. We can even go a click beyond that because some people handle six, seven hours in the car just fine. I've done that. I've done weekends to Virginia. You know I've traveled east a lot with having family back there. So I know all the different routes going back to northern Virginia or even the Charlottesville hmm, or Richmond area. But I'm, t- I'm sending you back out west about two hours and. In- 20 minutes from my spot in Hilliard, straight west on I 70, and you're going to one of the most iconic gyms in the country. You're going to check out Hinkle Fieldhouse, which, of course, is the other gym besides the one in Knightstown, Indiana, where you can stop <laughs> on the way so you can really get a full on Hoosier Fest. So you'll see Butler in their home gym taking on number three, undefeated Yukon at 11 0. Just a straight-up conference game, baby. Thad Mata, if you love the Buckeyes, your coach is back there at Butler now where it all began. Butler and the Huskies, 7 o'clock, FS1. Get you some of your NBA on NBC college basketball theme. It's all great, man. How how can
1: you miss that? $18 gets you in the door. How about that? Yeah, man. Ticket prices for Hinkle have always been, they've been, I would say, in the last... Five, six years they've been pretty relatively easy to get and not too expensive and it's wild that it's that cheap but no Butler at home especially against top ranked teams in the top 10 in recent years they've actually been really good and I I hope they put up a good fight there's uh two great big seven foot 611 guys for Yukon that are gonna be a real tough test for them but I, I'm definitely gonna keep an eye on it because you know being a fan of them I'm, I'm, I'm at least gonna watch them
0: yeah I, I would I would just assume I'm looking at the the seating chart for this Butler or UConn game. The the get in price, the cheapest ticket. I'm looking at vivid seats. That's what the little tool is on the ESPN schedules. 18 bucks gets you in the 300 level. So they have a couple of 300 levels that are on the side court, and then they have another section that kind of wraps around the whole court. It's not even that high though. It's not that high up. It's. I mean, what's the gym seat? Evil 15, 13, maybe. Oh, I was about to say that's pushing it. Yeah, I was going to say I was going to say more like.
1: 14? 12, uh, I'll look it well, up. Either way,
0: so, so it's way smaller than the shot, right? Would you rather just sit in the 300 section, like in the 10th row for 18 bucks? It's only 9,100. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, you'd be a fool. Like, look, who's selling this ticket for $185, and it's not even in the 100 level. It's in the 200 level. So the one level in front of the 300 spot, and this one's actually on the side or behind one of the baskets, so totally different vantage point. I can just sit in the 10th row of 307 for 18 bucks or pay almost $200 per ticket to sit one section down and a couple rows over to the side off on an angle. You'd have to be ridiculous to
1: pay that. Who's selling those tickets? I don't know, but I kind of want to find out. I wish I could go. That actually sounds like a really good game. Um, I, I don't have as many of like, I mean, that's, that's probably the top of the list, but that's the top. That's a 10 out of 10. It's a 10 out of 10 for who you you love the yeah. Huskies, man. Get to see uh, one of the best teams, a contender. Yeah. I mean, if I really wanted to shell out some money and go somewhere, I would go to the top five matchup in Charlottesville, uh, Virginia hosting Houston. That's going to be a great game. Okay. All the way to Virginia, huh? Yeah, but all I'll,
0: the way, get some I'll Bodo's
1: st- bagels and head on back. I'll stick with the mid-major. I will, uh, my mid-major flavor of last week, uh, hunt or uh, down in Huntington, West Virginia, Marshall. They're going to host Toledo. Toledo with two guys averaging 19 points per game and JT Shoemate and Ray J. Dennis. Uh, a very solid team. And like I said last week, the Columbus native, Tavion Kinsey, he's going to be a really good player. That's going to be a fun game. If you have like an ESPN Plus subscription, maybe tune in. Are we driving to Madison Square Garden? Is anybody
0: doing that? Someone's doing that. Uh, I'm sure someone's doing gonna it. It's not going to be me, but. No. no one, you know, no one that's listening to us, you know, on our on our fan broadcast on Saturday morning is on their way driving to New York because you won't make it. You won't get there
2: unless you're, unless
0: you're close, unless you left really early in the morning or drove some on Friday night and you've woken up and you're somewhere like out. You're somewhere in Northeastern Pennsylvania or you've driven half the turnpike already. And if so, Welcome, and we certainly thank you. We certainly thank you for checking us out. Well, I had so much fun, Evil. It's uh, it's going to be a blast to do it again next week.
1: Yeah, man, I can't wait. It's uh, it's the holiday hoopsgiving era of mm. the uh, college bas- basketball season, so I can't wait to see some of these big games and how it turns out.
0: As always, the full episode because we have to compress it to get uh, to get the broadcast down uh, for the fan Saturday morning show. There's the full episode only on our podcast feed, so please do subscribe. And if you like what you're hearing, give it a five-star review and leave a little comment in there. Tell us more of what you would like to hear, what you would like to, to see from us. And we do appreciate it. Everybody, enjoy the college basketball and have a great week. We will see you next time on Mad About Hoops.